Today we're wrapping up a five-part series that we've simply titled, The Struggle is Real. And I don't know how many years back uh, ago now that the hashtag, The Struggle is Real, became famous, but that's when most of us kind of became acquainted with the term. Maybe you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and someone's complaining about first world problems. (laughs) You know, like, I ran out of gas today. Well, that's not really a problem. You drove by 57 gas stations, and, and then they post a picture, hashtag, the struggle is real. No, it's not. No, it's not. You just, you didn't even have to wait on the side of the road because you have a cell phone. And, and some, anybody in the room remember when you used to have to walk to call somebody? Come on, wave a hand at me, right? Uh, the, the cell phones, some of you have been born into that. They didn't happen. They didn't happen until I was like 15 or 16. Y'all remember the brick phone? Before the brick phone was the bag phone, you were a man who had to walk around with a purse, right? If you wanted to be cool. That's the world we used to live in, right? But now we, we, we have some real problems in our world. There, there are real struggles that we have to face. And for the last few weeks, we've been tackling four of them head on every single week. Fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma. And today, I'm going to wrap up the message by giving some of you who maybe missed a week, I'm going to give you the cliff notes on how to deal with fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma. And then the title of today's message is, You're Tougher Than You Think. I want you to write it down somewhere. I want you to write it on your hand. I want you to type it in a device. Write it down. I'm tougher than I think I am. You're tougher than you think. You have the incredible ability to overcome more than you think you could ever overcome. And to help you do that, I want to give you, as we used to, anybody played some video games growing up and, and they would give you the cheat codes so that you would have unlimited lives. I want to give you the cheat code to fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma. Take some notes with me. It's going to be on screen. Fear, when fear shows up in our life, it, it brings with it this question. What if this happens? Every bit of fear in our life is attached to some sort of idea that uh, the, what I call the what ifs. What if I lose my job? What if I break down? What if the, the, the child is sick? What if, what if I'm unable to have children? What, what if, what if, what if we have thousands and thousands of these questions? And quite often, we don't have the answers But what we said in week one is that fear is false evidence appearing real. In almost every one of your fears, there is some part of it that is a lie. And maybe the only part of it that is a lie is that you're going to have to go through it by yourself. Maybe the only lie in what you're facing in cancer in your body today is that that God is not going to do a miracle still. But with every bit of fear, there's some sort of lie attached to it. So the cheat code, the answer is to speak truth to the false evidence appearing real. You need to identify the lie that's perpetuating that fear in your life. And you need to say, no, 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 God, you said instead. You're hearing this. I I, I need to, some of y'all are new to One Hope Church. I I dance between teacher and preacher, right? Teachers tell it to you, preachers yell it to you, all right? And when I get to the yell it part, you know, some of y'all could yell back, keep on going, pastor, right? Some of y'all, a little talk back's okay, just want you to know. But the answer, the answer is speaking truth. And if you say, well, pastor, that's the problem, I don't have truth. Well, today, I want to challenge you that this is truth. 
The word of God cannot be changed. It is historically sound. It is scientifically proven. It is experientially enjoyed. And what it says, it will change your fear into faith. And all you need is to find one verse that says, God, you said about healing. And God, you said about finance. And God, you said, and believe what God said over your fear. Our key verse was 2 Timothy 1.7. Would every voice in the room read it out loud? It's on the screen. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Doesn't matter what you're afraid of. If you will apply truth to your fear, you will begin to change your fear into faith. I'm so thankful that my father at a very early age wanted me to learn this. I remember some of the early moments of my dad putting me on on the counter in the kitchen and and saying, hey, I want to teach you what faith is. And I'm like, what do you mean faith? I want you to, faith is believing beyond what you can see. And he would say, I want you to jump off the counter into my arms, son. And and, and like a little child, come on, any kid, it's like, you know, it's in the tree or in the playground. I, I came as fast as I could off that counter, jumped into my father's arms and he caught me. It was beautiful. And he took me and he put me back on the counter. He said, now close your eyes and jump again. And it's amazing how from one moment of faith, all of a sudden, all sorts of fear starts creeping in your mind. I found myself the first time I ran off that counter, right? The second time I was inching up. I was inching up, closed my eyes, inching up, inching up, touching the edge, right? Why is it that we allow fear to drive our lives. I'm happy to tell you today that I did jump and my daddy caught me. Amen, everybody? Listen, you need to understand that the enemy is always going to come alongside and whisper, that's not a good message you have. That, that, I, listen, you, you don't know how many times I sit right there and I think, oh, I think I, I, should, have, I should have planned something funnier. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to say, no, no, listen, that's false evidence appearing real. Apply truth to your fear and believe what God says and you'll cheat fear and you'll build a life of faith. Can I keep on going? Anybody interested in the anxiety one? Anybody? Anybody? Only two of you. None of y'all struggle with anxiety. All right. Preach it to myself, okay? Pastor, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anxiety asks the question, You have to ask the question, what is causing this feeling? Because anxiety has got a bad rap. We act at any time that our hearts are fluttering or our hearts are racing, that there must be something dangerous on the other side of what you're dealing with. And it could be true. Maybe the first time you had an encounter with your boss, he was really negative and he was angry and he talked down to you. And so now the, the fear and the anxiety begins to build when you have to see your boss. You get that email, right? Hey, I'd like to see you today at 3 p.m. It's like, ah, why couldn't we do this at the moment I walked in the door? Because for six hours, I'm going to have to think about what do you want to talk to me about? Anybody been there? No, 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 right? We've all, it's like six hours. I'm like, no, no. Somebody, t- somebody texts me, says, hey, I'd like to talk with you. I'm like, now's the time. Because I'm not going to think about for the next seven days what you might be mad about. I'm not going to wonder. And so sometimes anxiety is attached to real things that were really painful 
But sometimes anxiety is you're a young football player standing on the sidelines and your body is going nuts because you're about to get out on the field. And what has happened is that we begin to turn things that are excitement into anxiety and, and things that are negative. Like we, we don't know the difference between the two. Y'all hearing this? And so what I have come to realize is that when I'm right there and I'm feeling this like, all, I say, man, I can't, I'm so excited to preach today. I, I can't wait to say what God has placed in my heart. There's something big going to happen today. Rather than terming it as a negative, I reframe it. Here's the answer. Write it down this way. You may have to address the situation or reframe the feeling. So if your boss treated you in such a way that you've got crazy anxiety, at some point, you're going to have to address the situation. At some point, you're going to have to say, hey, when you, when you said those things, it was hurtful to me because if you never address the situation, then you're always going to live with the anxiety. I know this is no one's favorite one because confrontation is none of your favorite things to do. We live in a society that wants to walk by most things. They're like, oh, did you hear what they said? Nope, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Did you hear it? No, I didn't hear it. No, you did hear it. It's real. And the idea that you're going to have to actually answer your anxiety, you're going to have to address the situation or you're going to have to reframe the feeling. It's one of two things. Either something bad happened that you're going to have to get involved with, or it's nothing bad at all, and it's the greatest opportunity of your life. I remember the first time that my pastor asked me to preach on his stage. I had been serving for many, many years, and when I was in ministry college, I had these kind of what I would call awake dreams. They were kind of like spiritual dreams where I feel like God was showing me things that I might do in my future, things that would kind of change my life. And there was a couple of moments where I saw myself speaking to really large crowds of people. And somebody said, well, that's, that's, that's not Jesus, that's pride. <laughs> Maybe it started that way. But after years and years of service, I remember when my pastor said, hey, this Sunday, I want you to speak to tens of thousands of people. And I had never spoken to that many people in my life. It's kind of a situation similar to what we have in cameras nowadays. We had one location, and we would broadcast it live to 12 other locations at the time. That Saturday morning, I want you to know I woke up anxious. It wasn't even Sunday. <laughs> it was still dark outside. And prayer was supposed to be at 9 a.m., but I was in desperate need of prayer at 5 a.m. And I remember saying, I, I've got I to deal with this today because I'm not going to be able to do this tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to walk out and do what I'm supposed to do if I don't reframe this. And so at 5 a.m., I had a key to the church. I went over and I turned on the auditorium lights and I walked up like I was supposed to walk up and I walked out and I cried like a baby. And I said, God, thank you for fulfilling a dream you gave me. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to speak to change lives. Thank you, God, for putting that in my heart so many years before. I refrained. My body was screaming, something's wrong. Run. Don't stay here. But when I refrained it, the next day I walked out and was able to deliver the word that God had placed in my heart. 
You have to address the situation or you've got to reframe the feeling. Philippians 4, 6, here's our key verse, says, do not be anxious about, say the word with me, don't be anxious about anything. Does that cover everything? It does, all right? In case you were wondering, that's what the Greek word means. Takes care of, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends your anxiety and your understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a simple cheat code. You have to differentiate what's going on when your body begins to signal you. What signal? What signal do you have? Address it or reframe it. Here's the third. Third week of our series, we talked about stress. And the question you need to ask yourself is, should I be carrying this weight right now? This is an important one because when we delineate between anxiety, anxiety is an internal alarm system telling you that something's going on that you need to address, but stress quite often is a weight that presses down on you. It's, a, it's the carrying the stress of your job and the timeline is, is carrying the stress of we're adding another baby into the family. It's the stress of a, you got a new job and all of these things begin to be like bricks that you put in your backpack that you start carrying throughout your life. So many of you are healthy physically, but emotionally and spiritually, you're carrying such a large backpack that you just don't know why you're tired every day. And listen, I need you to understand that, that in, order, in order for you to feel as light as you want to feel, you're going to have to discover that some things that you're carrying, you were never meant to carry. Let me give you two examples real quick. Let's just say your family faces some level of sickness. Well, it's your family. You're going to have to walk with them and care about them and pray for them and serve them. It doesn't mean it has to stay on your shoulders, but they're your family. You're going to have to be involved. Today, we're trying to ask our school systems to educate our children because we're trying to offload our stress. Fathers and mothers, I need you to know that God placed those children in your life for a reason. And though I might subcontract that high school to teach my kid algebra, come on somebody, right? I might subcontract them to teach geometry because that's, that's not my skill, but I'm not subcontracting character. And I'm not subcontracting Jesus. Y'all hear me like, there are some things that are squarely on these shoulders that God intended for you to carry. But there are some things that don't belong in your life. Listen, we should pray and care and send help when there are wars and rumors of wars, but you cannot every day ingest the wars and rumors of wars that are happening all over the world and think you're going to be a successful mom. You're going to go from CNN watching genocide happen today and then walking over and say, oh, I love you, honey. Your math problem is so important right now. Anybody struggle to do that? Why do you struggle to do that? Because you weren't made to do that. Can I just, I'm not trying to let you off the hook from carrying what you're supposed to carry. I'm telling you that you got to put a pile, you got to write a list of like, these are all the things that I'm carrying right now. And then you need to say, some of these things don't belong on my shoulders, some and all belong to God first. 
And then secondly, some don't need to be involved in my life anymore. So the answer is to offload stress by giving it to God first. And then maybe you just don't go back to the news for a while. I know this sounds way, oh, pastor, that's way too practical. How would your life be different if you cut out all the negative voices today? What would your stress level look like if you didn't turn on any of the news environments and you didn't count how many people liked your Instagram posts? Some of us are living and dying on how many hearts rise up on our stories. Some of you are like, don't even know what I'm talking about. Good, praise God. (laughs) Some of y'all who know what I'm talking about, you need to stop looking. Like some of the things we're carrying, you were never meant to carry. And I know this much, you were never meant to carry them alone. Psalm 118 and 5 says, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me. And what did he do? And he set me free. He walked up and said, why are you carrying that? Some of you say, well, pastor, you don't know what I did. I'm carrying shame and guilt because I did fill in the blank. I would say to you today and God would say to you, why are you carrying that? Why are you carrying the guilt and shame of your past sin when God sent Jesus on your behalf to pay the penalty so that you wouldn't have to carry that? Are you going to try to work your way into heaven or are you going to jump on the free ticket that gets you in? <laughs> Listen, I need to help some of y'all out. It's time to offload, right? And accept the free gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. And embrace the reality that even the shame and guilt that you've been carrying, God does not want you to carry it. It's an important thing to understand that when you're facing fear, you got to answer the questions. When you're facing anxiety, you gotta, you got to deal with the feeling. You may have to reframe them or you may have to address them when you're dealing with stress. You need to push some things out of your heart and life. Your mind can't handle it all. Can I be like super practical with you guys and kind of let you into like my like thought process? I actually prefer not to have a podium at all. If you want to know my communicating style is I spend 12 to 20 hours preparing a message and getting it so in my heart that I don't need this whatsoever. But then when we started building this building, the amount of emails and questions and things and decisions that were coming in, is I, I found it hard to memorize like I've been memorizing for years. And some of you say, well, you know, so what did you do? I, I brought the podium back. You know, I say, well, that's so practical. Yeah, some of you are holding on to this idea that everything needs to be the same way. And listen, when, when things slow down a little bit, my mind's got a little bit more free space. When some of that stress is gone, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get rid of this podium again. I don't think it changes anything. One of my friends and I were talking about this a few Sundays back, and she said, we can't tell the difference. Sure helps me sometimes. Number four, the fourth week we talked about trauma. And the question is, am I living a victorious life or as a victim in life? Am I living a victorious life or am I living as a victim? There isn't a single person in the room as we established last Sunday that hasn't experienced a traumatic event. 
There's not a single one of you. You're, you're not the only one in the room that's like, if you only knew. No, no. Every human alive that's breathing has experienced an event that could easily turn into trauma in their life. The issue is, how and what are you doing to deal with what happened to you? And have you allowed that to define you or have you allowed God to define you? And at every point in your life, and we established this last week, what God wants to do is he wants to bring such healing to your life, to those traumatic events, that you begin to use those events to help other people for good because God has done such a work in your life. And so the answer, write it down with me this way, the answer is to get professional help spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We're in a time in our society where when some of us were kids, you would never see, you would never see or hear someone say, hey, I'm going to a psychiatrist because that was shamed. That shame has been done away with. And listen, if you're dealing with spiritual trauma or emotional trauma or physical trauma, you need to get help. You can't do it on your own. And matter of fact, we're a big proponent of getting all three. Go to your medical doctor. Make sure everything's okay. Get a therapist. Make sure that you're thinking, okay, get a pastor to pray over you, declare the word of God over you because we believe your spiritual life is the glue that holds your little, your little world together. I know there's a bunch of people that say you don't need the spiritual life, but they're wrong because you can't steal the things of God and leave God out and expect to still get God's results. Y'all hearing this today? That was a good place to say amen. Y'all all missed it. It's okay. Amen, pastor. Proverbs 15 and 22 says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Here's my litmus test for you. Are you feeling disappointed or established? When you look at what happened to you, does it trigger a level of emotion and fear and anxiety and stress? Or are you able to say, no, 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 I've dealt with that and I'm using it for good? Are you feeling disappointed? Are you feeling established by God? And all I can tell you is that my many years of following God now have increased my faith that there isn't a single situation that God can't turn for good. Amen, everybody? There isn't a single situation that if you aren't willing, that God couldn't turn it around for good. And so you have to come back to simply believing that he wants to establish you and he wants to keep you. That he wants you to be all that he created you to be more than you want to be all that he created you to be. So let's talk about why. By the way, that was the, that was the cheat code. That was the cliff notes. And if you missed the previous messages, they're all available at onehopechurch.com. Why do we experience so much fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma? Well, here's what I would say to you. You have an incredible purpose to live for. And the enemy wants to use fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma to keep you from that purpose. But today I'm here to remind you that you're tougher than you think, and your purpose is tougher than you think. 
And together as a church, we have what we call the umbrella of purpose, that we all have the same purpose. It's not going to be on screen, but oh, maybe it will be. Our purpose is to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and make a difference. Would y'all read that with me? Come on. To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's a very, very simple line. They're easy to understand. And that is our umbrella. That's why we're here. But what the enemy wants to do is to increase your fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma so that you won't know God, so that you won't find freedom, so that you won't discover purpose, so that you won't do anything great with your life, so that you'll retreat and hide in a hole because you're afraid, because you're anxious, because you're stressed out, and you're still living on 17 years ago what happened to you. And today, I'm here to remind you that God doesn't want you to live that way. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 1 says. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. He wants you to know him. He says, I want your eyes focused and clear. He wants you to get rid of the things that are jading your point of view. He wants you to clear out your eyes because so often we're living as a victim. So now we see everything that's happened to us as someone attacking us. Jesus and Paul is saying, no, no, I want your eyes focused and clear so that you can see what it is he is calling your purpose, what he's calling you to do. I want you to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Every one of us has this purpose But under that umbrella, each one of us has a unique role. Some of you, God's called to be fathers, mothers, teachers, doctors, managers, owners, vice presidents. You pick the title. You pick the role. God has gifted all of us in a unique way. And under that umbrella, what do we do? The closer we get to God, the more we begin to step into the calling and the role that God has given us. And the more we make a difference for God. Y'all hearing this? And so every one of us has to embrace, we have to embrace overcoming these things so that we can be the best version of ourselves. So that we can be the people that God has called us to be. I want to take you, because I've already taken way too much time in the first half of the message. I want to take you to a story in the Bible to Ezekiel's story. Ezekiel lived under the same umbrella because all of history, all of mankind is under the same umbrella of purpose. That God's intentions in the garden were for you to know him, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference with your life. That's always been what he wanted for you. But Ezekiel was called to be a spokesperson for God. Anybody excited about that idea? Say, count me in, I'll go up there, pastor. No, no, most of y'all are okay with me doing it, right? His role was a unique role, but each one of us has a unique role, but we're under the same umbrella. In the book of Ezekiel in chapter one, God gave Ezekiel a very unique vision for his life, that he was going to send them to people who are far from God. And Ezekiel knew what God was asking him to do. It's kind of like when you know God wants you to go back for Easter or Christmas to your crazy family gathering. None of y'all have crazy family gatherings? 
right? You feel God's calling you, and when you get there, I want you to speak up. Ezekiel's feeling that pressure. And listen to what God says to him in Ezekiel chapter 2, very long passage. He says, I'm sending you. I'm calling you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children, and you shall say to them, thus saith the Lord God. As for them, whether they listen or not, whether they are rebellious house, for they are rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them, and you, son of men, neither fear them nor their words, though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. Did y'all read that? That's like, that's like saying, though you have to sit by the grandma that's going to ask you when you're going to get married again. Can I say that? Though you're going to have fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma about going back there, don't fear their words nor be dismayed at their presence for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them for they, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Now you, son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you and do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. Then I looked, and behold, a hand was extended to me, and lo, a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and back. And written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. He gave him truth to deal with what he was going to be facing in that situation. God called each one of us, whether you like it or not, to be spokespersons for him. To live a life that's reflective of what God has done for you. And like many of us, sometimes we're like, God, you've already, I've already been through enough. I don't need to add that to my life. But I want you to notice a couple of things very quickly as we prepare to close. That God actually says to Ezekiel, and I need you to hear them clearly today. The first thing that he said to Ezekiel, number one, he said, I want you to know that I've made you strong. Because Ezekiel's like, They've got thorns, (laughs) they've got thistles, they've got problems, they've got issues. Why? Why do I have to keep engaging? Why do I have to keep dealing with all of this? Listen, Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 8. Listen to what God says to him. He says, behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces. And your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, that's a really hard stone, I made your forehead. This is where that old thing where people say, well, he just got a hard head. This is where it came from. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. I need you to hear this. You say, oh, pastor, it's real hard. God made you strong enough for the heart. You're facing a hard situation. God made you strong enough for what he has called you to do with your life. You just have to embrace the strength that he has given you. Every night, both of my children, we take time. Amber and I, we bounce back and forth. And sometimes we're like, it's your turn to pray for the kids, right? Sometimes sometimes we say it that way. We, We know that if one makes it under the covers, the other one has to pray. But we're committed to it. You know, every time that I pray, I pray a prayer that sounds almost like this exactly. And my kids can almost say it back to me verbatim. I say, Lord, I thank you for my sweet live. I pray that you give her a good night's sleep and that you help her to be a strong woman of God. 
I pray that you fill her with the Holy Spirit and you give her a great day tomorrow. And then I start praying for tomorrow. But I start by saying, God, that you would make them strong. Today, I need you to hear this. You're tougher than you think. God has made you strong enough to accomplish what he has called you to do. Number two, second thing God says to Ezekiel, he said, I've made you resilient. I have, I have given you the ability to bounce back from this situation. That what happened to you isn't going to bury you, it's going to bounce you forward. Y'all hear this? Come on, that'd be a word for God for somebody. You think, if this doesn't happen, it's going to bury me. No, it's not. God has made you resilient. And if anybody in this world knows what resilience looks like, it's this city, wouldn't you say? Somebody asked me in 2020 if New Orleanians were going to riot. I said, no, no, we will march. We will throw parties, but we have been voted least likely to burn down our city. Why? 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 Because we work too hard to build this thing back, right? We work too hard to to let racism tear us down again. Amen, everybody? I need you to hear this. God made you strong, and God made you resilient. I've got it so much inside of me today. It's like it's in my bones to stand next to you and be a cheerleader and say, come on. You can do this. Get up again and see what God might do on your behalf. Ezekiel 3.10, he says, moreover, that means more, more of what I said before, son of man, take into your heart my words, which I will speak to you and listen closely. Healing and resilience comes when you begin to allow God to speak to the issues of your heart. Charles Spurgeon so famously said, we are prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. And today I remind you to write your, to write your blessings in marble. Let your fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma fall away. Number three, God made you successful. Ezekiel 3 and 11 it says, go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. Would you read that with me? Come on, say it with me. Whether they listen or not. Wait, wait. Whether it turns out the way we wanted it to or not. Just by being obedient, you've been successful. I define success this way. It's extra. It's not going to be on screen. Success is being obedient to God. Getting better, whatever he gave you, just make it better. Number three, finishing well. When God asked me to leave that church in Birmingham that some thought was like the top five largest churches in America, why would you, one of my friends said, why would you ever leave that place? Why? Because I'm going to be obedient to God and I'm going to make better whatever God's given me and I'm going to finish well. You're hearing this today. Come on, it's poor English, but y'all get my, my mindset. I think some of us need to release the world's idea of success. Do you think the great redwood trees of California are any comparison to the oak trees of Louisiana? Do you think the oak trees look at the tall redwoods and say, oh, one day I'm going to grow up to be like you? No, because the oak trees know 
that the redwoods couldn't withstand the storms of this city, right? That the redwoods couldn't make it through what we've made it through. And though God called them to be tall and beautiful, we are resilient and strong in the face of storms. Are hearing this today? And God has made you a successful tree. You're an oak of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Be what God has called you to be. When you try to be someone else, you're always going to be the worst version of yourself. Here's the last. Number four, God made you for a purpose. So embrace your role. I like to call it this. It's your holy discontent. It's the thing that bothers you so much that you can't walk by it any longer because God has called you to make a difference there. It's the thing that when you wake up at two in the morning, you don't get mad. You start writing the dreams down. It's the thing that stirs inside of you that says, the city of New Orleans will be known for more than Bourbon Street. Amen, everybody? That we'll be known for being the house of God and the family of God. and, And we'll be a city set on a hill even if it's a levy. Amen, everybody? We'll be a light shining in darkness because God made us for this. Ezekiel 3 and 14, he said, so the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went embittered in the rage of my spirit and the hand of the Lord was strong on me. He went with a little bit of holy anger and God said, I've made you strong enough, resilient enough, successful enough for the purpose I've called you to have. So today as we close, Ephesians 2 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're strong. You're resilient. You're already successful. You're living the purpose of God. So mom, mom who's just had a baby, you're going to make it. Loved one who's had to bury a loved one this week and last month, you're going to make it. Person who you got the pink slip this week and you're like, I don't know, I don't know how, hey, you're going to make it too because... Though the enemy may want to pile on more fear, anxiety, stress, and trauma. Come on, church. You're tougher than you think. Would you say it to me? Come on, say, I'm tougher than I think. Say it again. I'm tougher than I think. I believe in you. So Colossians 1, 28 says, so, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. And we want to present them to God, mature, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Would you bow with me as we close? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if today, for whatever reason, you find yourself far from God, the Bible says you can meet this God who made you tougher than you think, You can meet him in a moment of prayer. All you have to do is surrender control to him. 
that's you, I won't embarrass you, I, I will not ask you to stand, I will not ask you to come to the front. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you're here, and you just need to get close to God again. Maybe you've never been. But you whisper this prayer, say these words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.